0: blog talk
1: radio it's august 18th 2019 hello and welcome to working for 11 radio show where progressives for change present opinions that matter tonight we're joined by co-host jeff brown i'm your moderator leroy mcknight we may have another guest with us as well later please remember good leadership is never about power and control but rather for the honor and the privilege of serving the members. In the interest of the membership, we've seen some failures in the leadership like that of of late, and it's very sad. Working for a living, Radio Show is a member of the Michigan Association of Broadcasters and is syndicated on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, Listen Now, and also follow us on Twitter. Sadly, since our last show, not everyone has stayed safe and survived. Without going into a lot of detail, may we please observe a moment of silence for all of the victims of the El Paso shootings, the Dayton shootings, the Baton Rouge shootings, the Philadelphia shootings, and the stabbing at the Ford Livonia plant. Let's observe a moment of silence, please. Thank you. All of our prayers go out to all of those affected. Let me bring on our buddy Jeff here. Hi, Jeff. How you doing? I'm good, Leroy. How are you? I'm decent. You know, you guys had a big storm down there today, huh?
0: Yeah. First time in, since I've been in these apartments, uh, must be about
2: four years now.
0: I lost power for about three hours. Wow. But we're back.
1: Okay. Well, it happens from time to time. You know, I've, I've had it happen here. And, and yeah. with my last residence, I I had it uh, uh, gone uh, usually just briefly. I mean, it was a matter of the other system starting back up that would, you know, shut everything down, have to restart it, so. It's been pleasant this week. You know, I've been kind of busy. A lot of stuff going on. Uh, you know, we've we've had all these shootings and things, and everybody's gearing up to go bump heads yet again. And you know, the NRA is very powerful, and we'll see a lot of uh, pandering and blustering and just about any adjective you want to know. And in the end. Very little will happen. I have been talking with my elected leaders, some nationally, and I've asked asked them to, uh, if they truly want to be effective and stop what's going on, uh, we have the ability to find Wheaties. If we search for Wheaties, it shows up in the right bar of your, your computer screen. And if you search for insurance or iPhones or, you know, Samsung phones or any any kind of phone or uh, just about anything, it'll show up within a few minutes in the right sidebar of your computer. I cannot believe that the federal government, with all of its uh, authority and power, have not monetized uh, this so that we could have shooters show up in the right sidebar computer whether they're active shooter or highly suspect so that the public would know or rather just that the you know police and proper authorities would know you know we, we, we can't continue to do the same thing Einstein said doing the same thing over and over and over expecting a different result is the definition of insanity and I believe that some elected officials, most of them, that have been, not all, but most of them that have been out there, going to, you know, let's, let's muscle up and we'll go after gun owners. Well, not all gun owners are, are shooters. But most of the shooters broadcast what they're going to do in advance. And I believe probably with the exception of one, they could have been stopped. in all cases, with the exception of one in this last round of shooting. The one you know, bragged so close to the time that he actually took action, uh, it was difficult. But should he have showed up in the right sidebar uh, local people, they could have been forewarned that he was armed and dangerous. At least then they could have tried to find some shelter if they saw him. So there are you know, alternative ways that we need to be thinking about addressing our problems rather than just go butting heads like the ram up against the cement wall or dike, if you will. It's just not working what we've been doing, and people are dying because our elected officials haven't been creative, all of them, with the exception of very few. You know, somebody mentioned, well, maybe they're already doing that. I said, well, if you're doing it, they're not doing it very effectively. And I know some IT people that said they could put this together in eight hours. So let's just do something that is going to address our problem. I'm not the first one to think about this, but I'm one of the people who are thinking about it and talking about it. We're not mad. I'm not mad. I don't think the general public's mad at gun owners. But we have to be smarter. We have to be smarter. So, that said, uh, we have some announcements. How about if I start them off, Jeff? Are you got any comments on that, by the way, before we go on? Um, yeah, it's, it's a shame that you have
0: to worry about a loved one who, Walks out the door to go to the store, thinking that they may not come back. You know, it's sad. This whole situation yeah. just sad. Um, mean,
2: like Jeff, you and, and I are both.
1: School. We're not a threat to the public. You know, no. We we own no. guns to defend ourselves or go hunting. Mm-hmm. That's him. Yep.
2: You know, a yep. lot of these
1: I don't people that, that.
2: Yeah. Go ahead.
0: I don't need a AK forty seven or whatever they're using nowadays. Uh right. It's not my not my
1: thing. You know. Right. Well I, I agree. You know, not mine either. I don't own one. And but there's there's a lot of people who have fifteen or twenty of them in their basement and they sit there and they're essentially trophies. You know. Yep. A lot of these same people they got a trophy wife and shoulder mount trophy of the deer they shot last year or ten years or twenty years ago. You know, these these are innocuous things to a lot of people. They're just sitting down, they're able to brag about I got this and I got that. Okay. But you're not a shooter, are you? You're not bragging about going and becoming a school shooter. No. It's we gotta be smarter, uh, I think, you know, and you know, uh let's let's all uh you know Take a deep breath and contact our congresspeople and state legislators and say we need to do something beyond just taking on the NRA. We need to find the bad people before they shoot us up. They're out there bragging that they're going to do it. Let's fix it. All of these new laws that are proposed truly aren't going to find that shooter. But they're all bragging about it on social media in advance. And with the proper yes, algorithm, they, they could find him and stop him. Okay. I mean, they won from Florida. The shooter He said, He bragged, I want to be a school shooter. He'd been you know, expelled from school like five times, six times. This was a troubled young man. Mm-hmm. Very troubled. He went in there and shot up that whole school. Parkland or the school that was there. It's got a couple, three different names, and I, I really haven't committed them to memory. I probably should have. But, you know, people are really struggling with this. So I know we're off the top of a little bit of labor, but everybody works for a living that's going to these malls, and and we need to be protective of our people, you know, so schools. I mean, school's going to start up again. I hope we don't have any nuts out there going to start their crap again. But we should be able to identify them. This kid, you know, like I said, expelled four or five times from schools. You know, he's bragging about he wants to be a school shooter on social media. And then he's buying AR-15s, four or five of them, and went in and did what he said he was going to do. And we, if we had an algorithm for him like we have for Wheaties and Cheerios and iPhones and insurance, we would have fixed that. We would have caught him. He wouldn't kill killed a soul. Yeah. Technology's here, and we better embrace it. Stop doing 1960s politics, bumping heads left and right, up and down. Let's fix it. Once and for all, it's not that hard. So, okay, we have some announcements. Uh, what if I start them off on, the, on the, uh, the odd ones here? The Working for a Living radio show continues to support Medicare for everyone, to support the end of corporations being considered as legal citizens, to support the UAW's boycott of the Mexican built Chevy Blazer. By the way, that's working very well. Thank you, everybody. And vehemently, we oppose the Detroit Three's corporations to outsourcing and moving work out of the United States while they continue to target the U.S. as a market to sell in. Go ahead, Jeff. Uh,
2: Number
0: two,
1: thank you all
0: to all of our new listeners. Thank you to all our new listeners. Please keep telling just one friend a week about our humble show. Again, many thanks to all of our
1: listeners.
2: Right. thank you appreciate
1: listeners. It. absolutely I, by the way, I appreciate you jeff and and Tom when he comes on and all of our team that's not on the air male and and female you know we got a lot of sisters out there giving us really really good information so uh and and supportive uh and uh considered themselves to be our inner core, so thank you very much for right. every everybody you too jeff um August 5th, it was reported that Norwood Jewell was sentenced to 15 years in prison. I believe everybody knows him as a former VP uh, of the UAW and the FCA department.
2: Yeah.
0: August 14th, it was reported that Mike Grimes was indicted. In a guilty plea is expected. Both men are originally from UAW local. 659. Mike Ryan's once worked at Chevy Sh- Chevy in a hole, yeah. probably known as Chevrolet Flint Manufacturing and Chevrolet Avenue in Flint, where he was once bargaining <laughs> sheriff. I never heard of
1: that term, you like, <laughs> it's Chevy in a hole. A lot of people think it was done in Troy. Yeah, Chevy in hole. I hired Chevy in, in the there. Hole. Chevy. Chevy, they call oh, us you the work name? down in a hole yeah they they, they <laughs> would demean you work you work down in a hole like we were some kind of sewer rat they, they we were demeaned when we were when we were younger um, Mike Rimes was a committeeman uh, near my age, I hired into that facility uh, Mike would, on um, every year in the late seventies we had a fourth of July picnic at uh, one of the skilled trades. Fellas, nice uh, piece of property, and we'd play softball. And names like Beardsley and Grimes were people who typically showed up at this wonderful event. We had a great time every Fourth of July in the late 70s. And uh, I knew him. I didn't know him well, uh, but he worked in the same facility. That's where the sit-down strikes initiated in that facility, by the way, and uh, Chevy in the hole. Is uh, you know revered by a lot of a lot of people who worked there and some who didn't work there, and mean by a lot of people in the community that thought we were just nothing but a, a bunch of rats running around down in there. So not not bad rats, just you know we it's right on the river, so they call us, you know we had a lot of river rats in the facility too. So but but uh, oh, that's it. where he that's where he started. It's where I started. I, I knew Mike, and he participated in some of the events I went to over the years, and, and uh, I don't know him well. I don't know anybody think thinks I do, but uh, he came from my home plant, my original local union, 659, the, the amalgamated local unit down at Chevy and Holden, and it was really called Chevrolet Flint Manufacturing, 78 acres, and it's uh, not a brick standing, so those of you who have since had to leave your plant have it demolished mine was probably one of the first because that's the saying was if you kill the root you can kill the plant like kill the root of a tomato plant the tomato plant will die and that was the purpose that plant was most efficient motor plant building cars cheaper and, and higher quality yet they moved the product out of there Sadly, a lot of us had to move different places. Uh, You know, Mike ascended to a high level of leadership. Uh, He was revered by a lot of people. But he's really, really, really given himself a, a black eye and our union a black eye. And for that, my heart is broken. So I'm very, very sad that this is going on. Remember, please, that there are Union Official 1 and Union Official 2 who are in the document, or named in the document, uh, as in the outline what their participation was. And these are not good things that they did, and likely, likely we'll see them in the news sometime in the future. It's my opinion that the... FBI and the Department of Justice has a lot more on their plate and only throws a little something out here. This is big. Don't get me wrong, but uh, a single instance uh, as they remind everybody that they're still out here and watching very, very closely to what's going on with our contracts. And that's my opinion on that. So, um, I guess it's my turn. So uh, after those uh, people, you know, I hesitate to call them Union Brothers anymore. And 659 is my home local union. I originally started there, so I'm really sad that this is coming out of that local. Uh, August 14th, the U.S. Treasury's yield curve inverted at approximately 6.30 a.m., I was up and watching this, uh, then I monitored quite closely. This occurrence has long been a forecaster of impending recession, something all workers should begin to brace for. What that means is the 10-year interest rate went below the 2-year interest rate, and that is saying that in the future, in the next 10 years, that interest rates are going to be lower, uh, in the future so and when they got s- lower than the current two year that's a predictor of what may come in the next ten years this is not going to be pretty okay go ahead Joe
0: August 16th NLRB is investigating Barstool Sports were essentially tweeting I will fire you on the spot if you support
1: unionizing
0: uh
1: He's going to get in big trouble for that one. Anybody? People have
2: the right. right. Yeah. Get in trouble
1: yeah. for it. Yeah. <laughs> they have a Again, right. Again, many. Yeah, you're right, Jeff. He's, he's, he, I tell you, I mean, when you posted that, I, I put a heart on it because I love the fact that this guy is going to get taken to a, to the woodshed and be held accountable. So, uh, yeah. So anyhow. Um, Many thanks to all of our worldwide investigative reporters. We really appreciate it, everything you do for this effort uh, to educate our, our membership. So, um, Jeff, why don't you take? Let's see if I want to get that right. For yeah, why don't you take the uh, the first one and the email and messages that we got? Okay, first first one is
0: who do you think should be the strike targets this time? Name withheld uh, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show, so we'll just
1: see what's okay uh, number two uh, our team at work likes the real life examples of your union experiences, sometimes expressed by Jeff Tom and Leroy. Could you please let us hear more of those experiences Name withheld? Um, we have discussed that. Uh, at your request, uh, while there are many things that are subject to remaining uh, privacy concerns, we have plenty of more public experience that we have agreed to share on the show with you. In other words, you know, there's just some things that are private and you can't say. I mean, you wouldn't want us talking about your business openly here, even if it's years after. Uh, so, uh, and, and if we kind of hint around at doing some of that stuff, we're going to talk in generalities. No names will be put out there, but we've agreed to share some of our experiences with you uh, because some of you say you want to hear from when our union was actually strong and and how that was done sometimes. and. You know, we've, we've all, Jeff, Tom, and myself, all have some very good experiences to share with you, and we'll do that. Go ahead, Jeff, unless you've got more comment on that one. No. Nope.
0: Nope. Our many thanks to David Green as he serves us members as our president of UAW Local Union 1112. We wish you the very, very difficult decision, but the best decision for your family as you relocate to the GM Bedford Indiana facility so we you that for many listeners and um yeah we, we think highly of Brother green um uh, he's a real good role model for coming up uh members who want to be active in leadership to follow his path what he did he did a good thing for his members
1: yes he did our um uh, thoughts and prayers are with him as he relocates uh, and made the best decision, a personal decision for him and his family, in an effort to finish his career at General Motors. So, uh, thank you for everything you've done. You did an amazing job for uh, Local Union 1112, and prior to that, you were president, Local Union 1714. So, thanks for all the work that you did in both of those instances, uh, especially lately. He's made a lot of uh, news. I, uh, you sort of joined me back in the uh, middle 2000s uh, and I, I believe I was on radio and TV too, far too much at the time and at some point you'll look back and think the same thing <laughs> but uh, it is what it is and we got to stand up and thank you for standing up brother. So, uh, Number four. Uh, this is in quotes. I cannot believe the president actually tweeted, I should be president for life because I'm so good-looking and smart. And last Tuesday stated, let's just cancel the 2020 election and, and just do an automatic four more years, end quote. Any thoughts? Name withheld. Um, we addressed this on our last show, and we, we reiterate veterans and vir- virtually all elected officials to include the U.S. Presidents, where an oath of office to uphold the U.S. Constitution. On this matter, the 22nd Amendment of the Constitution states, no person shall be elected to the office of president more than twice, and no person who has held the office of president or acted as president for more than two years of a term to which some other person was originally elected, I'm adding the word originally Uh, uh, shall be elected to the office more than once and that means two years or two terms or no more than ten years in other words if you've served less, like President Johnson did he served less than two years of Kennedy's uh, vacated uh, seat because of his assassination then he could have served that out less than two years and two more terms had that been greater than two years, and Kennedy, uh, you know, the office had been vacated earlier, he could have only served one more, been elected one more term. So it would have been about six years in that, or seven uh, in, in that instance. So two two terms or ten years. So we now ask, with these statements that the 45th president of the United States has made. Has he upheld the US, US Constitution as required by the oath of office or violated his sworn oath sworn sworn oath. Or violated his sworn oath. That's a question for you all to answer. That's nothing that's not our opinion. We just we have the idea that we all swore an oath of office and I said he lost me when he started saying that, but that was last show and I hold that opinion still. Uh, number five, Jeff, unless you have a comment. No. Um,
0: when does a local union cease to exist? Also, can retirees, members on layoff, or members on sick leave run for office? I guess we had a few emails on that subject, uh, and
1: we'll talk about that later in the show as well. Six. Uh we're hearing others say the International Union needs to enforce the UAW Constitution on, on the national agreement, especially the part about three consecutive months for temporary workers. Some say you're copying them. Are you copying them and why? Name withheld. Let me ask, Jeff, did, are we copying anybody regarding that issue? No, we
0: are not copying that it. issue. In black and
1: white, in the Constitution. Right, and uh, the short answer for me is no, as well. Let's see. No, no hand up. Okay. Uh, let me go on to say. In fact, our position on the current treatment of temporaries being unconstitutional, UAW can be found in our team's plan for action if we had been elected at convention 2018. That plan can still be found in its original form on workingforaliving.org. That's the .org, not the .com, under plan. We, however, encourage others to express our policy as that takes the target off our back and essentially, in the end, guarantees, charges would be brought should this CBA should the CBA violate the UAW Constitution? Okay, so um, this is something that we initiated. We talked about. We talked about it early this year, as, a, as more uh, since we weren't elected, nominated even um, for a lot of reason. Uh, we made the decision to start enforcing our plan from a loyal opposition caucus and party so, uh, and we're intending on doing that and should anything happen to us it's nice to know that other people would pick up our mantle and go and run with that but uh, you know I've been smart my whole life and people have been copying what I do for a long time and I'm used to it we're not copying anybody thank you <laughs> Okay, let's see. Uh, we said we'd talk about scabs. Uh, we're going to do this in a little different way, not in discussion. Uh, and I'm going to have the definition this, this week uh, Merriam Webster's definition of a scab. One, there are several definitions here. Uh, one, a worker, and I'm quoting now scab, a worker who refuses to join a labor union. Two, a union member who refuses to strike or returns to work before a strike has ended. Three, a worker who accepts employment or replaces a union worker during a strike. Four, one who works for less than union wages or on non-union terms, end quote. That's Merriam-Webster's definition of a scab. Okay, that's the technical definition. Now we're going to expand that a little bit. Starting work early or staying late with no pay. Okay, There's a Supreme Court decision prohibiting this and it also falls under number four as working for less than union wages. In other words, you're not being paid if you start early. As a matter of fact, all you have to do is raise your hand at the Department of Labor and say that management's expecting you to be there and, and set up your job 15 minutes early, and they will start paying you for that time. The local unemployment office is usually also the uh, un- uh, Labor, Department of Labor because you're working for free. And part of the reason was that the, uh, the 14th Amendment uh, prohibits working for free. It's called slavery. That's why the Supreme Court uh, has that ruling out there. Uh, Also, uh, something else that falls under the uh, number four of the uh, Merriam-Webster's definition of a scab, Uh, should somebody on layoff or on sick leave go into the plant to do work while on layoff or sick leave and do that work for free? Or less than union wages falls under number four as a scab, doing union work for less than union wages or free. If these corporations want to hire another or uh, want to uh, accomplish additional work, they need to hire another person to do this work. If someone does it for for free, if they're in the plant working for free because they're on sick leave or layoff, then they're a scab, under item number four, just as much as somebody crossing a picket line. Merriam-Webster definition of a union scab: not a good thing to be. You ought to stay out of the plant if you're on sick leave or layoff. You go in there to do work, you're taking somebody's job. They should hire or replace. The person that was doing that job. Okay. All right, Jeff, you're going to do this week's quote. There's a couple of them.
0: Yep. The first one.
1: You. I mean, first of all, do you got any comments on Scab? That definition. I should ask you that, buddy.
0: Um. Yeah, I've I've had people that I have witnessed in the plant over my years that would come in early, start off. start making parts and I've tried to tell them, you know, it's not cool you're not getting paid if if you get hurt, it's on you You somebody can break you up and stuff like that
1: it's one thing to pick
0: up
1: right, exactly it's one thing to pick up a pair of gloves and get Mm -hmm. your you know, your wrench out of your out of your toolbox or something and be prepared to go to work it's another thing to be a you know accomplishing work that's completely different being prepared for starting work with a pair of gloves and your wrench is completely yeah. you know a different thing but when you're starting to build yeah. product now we got another that's a different issue and uh, I have that court case somewhere uh, and I, i'll if I find it i'll I'll put it on this uh, page on the for this site here so um Okay, Uh, why don't you go ahead with the quotes, then,
0: Brother. Okay. Terrible things are happening outside. Poor, helpless people are being dragged out of their homes. Families are torn apart. Men, women, and children are separated. Children come home from school to find that their parents have disappeared. And that's from Anne Frank, January 13, 1943. Now, we all know what's going on at night. 1943. You know, um, World War II. Just think of that. That's you know, what's going on now, too. Uh, quote number two Nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. And that's from Abraham Lincoln. He was very smart.
1: He's arguably he really, uh, the last labor person that's ever been a president. I mean, Truman kind of was a labor guy, but a lot of people say they're for labor, but they're not from labor. You know, Lincoln oh, yeah. split rails. You know, he worked for a living, you know, split fence rails. Yeah, a hard job. Yeah, he was real, real fond
0: of labor and unions and stuff. Um, he, he definitely supported them. Nobody else
1: has, like you said. Right. Okay. Jeff, I want to reiterate the consequences uh, and just go over that language. We kind of talked about what that was earlier, but this is what we've been talking about here on this show since February or March. And in our plan outlined how this was unconstitutional. It needs to be addressed. So we're just addressing it a little different. Why don't you go ahead and, and read that out there, Bud? Okay. Article
0: 13, Section 22. This is of our UAW Constitution. It should be left to the discretion of the local union to determine the duration of the per- period for which work permits are issued. In no case, however, shall work permits be used to any worker for a period no more, for a period of more than three consecutive months. So, you know, we get again, shall work permits be issued by any worker for a period of more than three consecutive months? And that answers our first email question, I think, one
1: of them. Right. Right. And you know they we've committed bringing charges. Right. Go ahead, Jeff, and you're going
0: to read that. Yeah. yeah, charges for violation may be filed under provisions of the UAW Constitution.
1: Yeah. It, you know, this is a little different suspect this year because, you know, typically they have management and union in the bargaining table, and they are there now. And we're not getting a, a minute's worth of uh Uh, Nobody. I mean, there's a lot of inferences, but nobody's getting specifics from that bargaining table. Nobody. Anybody tells you that they are, they're not telling you the truth because we're connected as connected as can be with everybody, and there's just not anything coming from that bargaining table. We get some illusions now and then, illusions you know, about what might be going on. But there's no specifics leaving that table, and I'm going to tell you why. In 2015, on a Friday morning, when the FCA agreement was available at Solidarity House, before it went to the IEB for approval, before they even saw it, I got an email from somebody that I was talking to sometimes eight, nine hours a day and said, I have the, he said, I have the FCA agreement in advance. And he leaked it to the Free Press and they had an article by 10 o'clock. And the IEB was livid, absolutely livid. He asked me if I wanted a copy at 8.15. I said, I don't know if I want that. He sent it anyhow, 8.15 a.m. I still have the emails. He essentially committed corporate espionage. Even though we're a union, we're still a corporation. 501 C5. Okay? Not a C3 or C4 political or building. Uh, so... This is C5, and, you know, he essentially committed corporate espionage. He later got a visit from somebody, and he turned completely, 180. In his uh, approach, he had been – we're not going to get into the details – but we have a lot of stuff documented on that. And that occurred on another radio show where he come in and essentially sabotaged the show. And that, In their words, I'm I'm using their words, not mine. So, and they said, it's well, a public record. And they said they'd never have another person to sabotage a show like that. So um, the uh, long and short of that, in this year's, and so this this cycles negotiation nobody nobody is giving out any specifics from the bargaining table. And you can take that to the bank. Anybody tells you they have anything different is telling you wrong. But this year we have some nuances in that there are is another group and maybe others but certainly, us that have asked that the constitution be enforced upon the collective bargaining agreement. Not only asked, demanded. So there's a third party making demands. It's making a lot of people uncomfortable, as well. They should be. We make no, no, apologies for asking. The union leadership to abide by the UAW Constitution, which they all, all are obligated under their oath to hold. Now, I know there's some oaths of office that superintend any and all other oaths. Not this time. Not this time. This is different negotiation, and they know Appendix K in the the General Motors Agreement that allows for competitive clauses. That's a competitive clause making the leadership, president and chairman, obligated to make the corporation more competitive. More competitive means fewer people and less wages. That clause needs to go. It violates the language in the UAW constitution so this isn't just about temporaries it's about doing the right thing under the constitution for the membership and believe me if you know we say it from time to time that aristotle says perceived threat is real threat this is no perceived threat do what you're supposed to do you will have no problem with this group of members So having said that, uh, we're serious about it. All right. Everybody needs to understand that. Okay. Jeff, you have a real life example and we talked about this earlier in the week after we got some emails on it and messages. Uh and and actually voice communication too in one instance. Uh, you uh you wanna uh tell some people about one of your experiences? Hello, listeners? Um, yeah, I've got quite a few But um, Pick one we'll, We're I going to try and a do woman... this every week just once. We're going to try and work them in yeah. So that people understand how the union You know Was before all of this That's going on And we won't even identify what's going on But it's, there's a hell of a lot more Than what you're seeing, believe us Go
2: ahead, Jeff
0: Yeah, um I was a a member of leadership um, back in 2005 to 2008, just before the uh, bailouts came out, you know, the recession hit. And our plant, I think some of the other board plants, um, were offering these six different packages of buyouts. Each package was something different. And the amount of money was different. And these buyouts were, second one of them, you would um, terminate everything. You lose your health care, everything. But my, my, friend, um during one of these times, they put out a interest survey to see if any more people were interested in a buyout. Well, a lady friend of mine, she she signed Service. And then came out that they were going to have a uh, five plus people go. She came into work one Friday morning, an hour before work, and all dressed up like you were doing. their last day of work when you retire, or that kind of thing. You get dressed up and you get to walk around, and say goodbye to everybody. Well, earlier in the week, they had posted the names of people who were leaving. She came to my area, all dressed up, and it dawned on me that I didn't see her name on the list. So I went to HR and double-checked, came out and told her, I says, you can't Please, Your name is not on the list. And she was upset because she had already purchased ticket airline tickets later that morning to fly to a different state. Um, knowing the individual, as much as I did, Uh, I knew that she would forget to leave our new address with the HR. And what would have happened is if I didn't catch it, she would have walked out of there and flew to another state. She would bypass the five-day notice where – you missed five days in a row and they'll call in that they can terminate you. And I knew that would happen to her. So I stopped her. She was very upset, but I saved her job at least. You know, later, about a year or two down the road, she was able to take that buyout. But if I didn't remember that her name wasn't on the list that was outside of HR's, office. She would have uh, went say said goodbye to everybody and walked out of the plant and ended up getting fired because um, she wouldn't get no no uh, buyout package. So that was one of the things that I've done. Um, there's, there's more, but we can talk from that another time. Uh, we don't know Tom's here or not, but uh, I knew this woman. We hired him together. We worked together. I represented her when I was a committee man. And,
2: you
0: know, things like that happen to people sometimes. And, and there's always got to be someone else who knows what's going on a little bit more, can catch things. And, you know, part of leadership is telling people. No, sometimes (laughs) Uh, she would have done it and she would have lost her job and that made me feel good but it was still a sad situation she had uh, always had an attendance problem but uh, it worked out she didn't lose her job they let her go home that morning Came back in on Monday morning and went to work
1: on the line. So that's nice. That was just one, one example. Yeah, that's a nice story, Jeff. I mean, it, you know, a lot of this is thankless too. I mean, she probably said thank you, but you know, um, you, you do this, and it's something that you, uh, you, you know, you take a little pride in doing. And then you can, you know, reflect on it over time, that you saved somebody's job. And uh, and they're they're grateful. I mean, I I have a teacher who I helped save her job, and I get a Christmas card every year. Every now and then I get a call and say hi. Uh, you know, so, but uh, uh, that's very nice that you were able to save her job. And that's one of the things yes. that good union people do. They try to help. Our brothers and sisters when they are being taken advantage of. So.
0: And she was on uh, HR radar too because of her attendance. Um, right. But um, it worked out
1: good. So that was that was a good thing. Well, good, good. Thank you for that sharing that. I hope the members that, that are listening and uh, everybody that's listening. Uh, understands that that's some of the things that good union leaders do. I have something to share with you, but we have a long show yet and we're already an hour, almost, we're 10 minutes short of an hour here. So I'm going to wait and see how long we, you know, how much time we have at the end. And it deals with helping, I'll tell you what, it was, it, it deals with helping a another uh union to organize the nurses at one of the hospitals here but it's a very very interesting story that I'll uh get into if I have it late, later if I have time in the show I'll I'll go ahead and say it but uh it, it uh it probably put it on hold for now we got some things to to talk about one is uh uh moving on uh just know that I'll come in and do that Uh, If we have time, uh, talk about that. It's a very interesting story involving some very high-profile people who were held to account for the position that they said they support labor, and they weren't. And when they were held to account, they squealed like little piggies. Some got fired. Well, not fired. They just didn't get reelected. So, Yeah. In very high places, it was a very high-profile thing that occurred, and we took 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 uh, care of business as we should have, and we did, and we helped another local union. There are nurses in hospitals today, in a hospital today, that are enjoying union wages and benefits because of what what occurred there. And it was not just me, but I led the charge for us. Okay, so my report, who should be the target in this contract cycle? Well, let's just take a look at the strength. Ford's at 52,000-ish. FCA is about 37,000-ish, and they've been there since 2015. And GM is currently less than FCA at 37,000-ish, down from 52,000-ish in 2000, at the 2015 agreement. So we've lost, what, 15,000 members, a lot of people. Uh, the uh, uh, numbers being so low are so that, you know, if you really look at it, any single target is subject to be broken And uh, in our discussions, we believe that President Jones has already indicated that he will use every option. That's UAW President Jones of the International UAW, yes. He's indicated that he will use every option available to him in these negotiations. And while at the General Motors kickoff, he introduced all of the bargaining teams and had them all stand and said they will be talking together. That sort of implies what we've come to ourselves here. Uh, we believe that the strongest position for this bargaining session in this pivotal agreement, make no mistake, this is a take back, clawback agreement. We didn't do it last time for a lot of reasons, some of, you, some of which you're reading about in the newspapers. But this is a clawback that should have been done four years ago. And it's pivotal, make no mistake about it. Because of that, and that we are in this to win, we believe that it's well worth the show of unified force to have all three Detroit Three be the the strike target so no single target everybody now there's some government risks with that and it's no secret that Taft-Hartley exists and even though our even, even our friend Truman ordered the coal miners back to work way back when under Taft-Hartley and that could be done now but it won't happen right away so expect a long strike. Lot of lot of stuff uh, in you know in the inventories and things like that, and it's going to take a while before government gets exercised because it will start to scream and squeal and squeak, and then government will get energized and try and push us back to work. Okay, but there's ways of handling that too. You know, you ever heard of the wobble? That's where you have a tough time walking down the aisle, you know, holding your wrench properly, extra bathroom, because you've been scared shitless about being on strike, right? Everybody knows about that. So uh, just know that that's, that's our opinion here, that they all ought to be, and that's the reasons the numbers are so low. That any one of them can be broken pretty easily, but all together, just like any other basket of uh, uh, arrows, for example, quiver of arrows. If you have one, you can break it, and more arrows you have, the less likely you're going to break. Okay, so uh, that's what we think. Uh, Jeff, you got any comments in addition to that? No, I agree with you, right? All three of them should be a target. Right. Um, Should I have have been elected president of the UAW International, this would be my approach, because we should never play to lose. We should always use every option available, just like President Jones has said. We're sort of confirming what we believe he said. So uh, that did not come out of anybody's mouth other than our opinion, okay? And it's what we, you know, it just makes sense, folks. Okay. Uh, regarding the uh, second quarter uh, conference call that General Motors had, I listened to the whole thing. Uh, there are a number of things that was brought out. I forgot to put this one in there, uh, that the inventory uh, has been, um Uh, balanced uh, in an effort to uh, avoid and plan for expected volatility between now and the end of the year. In other words, they build a lot of cars and trucks, and they're waiting for us to go on strike so they can burn up their inventory. Okay, so that's what she said about that. Uh, The thing that's uh, very important to every auto worker that she and the CFO repeated many times on the conference call, by the year, this is a quote, by roughly a quote, paraphrasing for the most part, but it's as close to the quote as you can expect. So, by the year 2025, 40% of the current jobs that exist in our country will no longer exist Listen to that. By the year 2025, this is stated by one arguably one of the largest corporations in the world when you consider all of their tentacles that are out there and how much they actually control by and through the suppliers. Okay, it used to be in-house, now it's done by everybody else, right? We all know that. By the year 2025, 40% of the current jobs in our country will no longer exist. Okay, they repeated that many times. This should be very important for all of our us auto workers to uh, reflect upon and our leadership to both brace for and prepare us for as a workforce. Prepare us as a workforce for this occurrence. You at the top Need to be talking to all the engineer types and finding out which are going to be gone and which are going to replace them, if at all, so that we can be given a heads up for membership so they can understand where they need to move to in order to be good and make a decent living. Six years from now, not so far away, folks, blink a couple of times and see how fast six years go by. Really? Think about it. If you got a six-year-old, think about when they were newly born, and how long ago that was, and not so really long ago. Okay. Vera was also asked this seemingly innocuous question. Okay, this this was a question from the media. Are there other suppliers you rely on for the development of autonomous vehicles? That's paraphrased. She gave a one-word answer, emphatically, and yet stealth, her answer was no. That was it, one single word. So in our opinion, this curt answer also means that, as of now, General Motors intends to be vertically integrated for all AV vehicles, autonomous vehicles meaning no second and third tier suppliers, okay, pay attention to that. Right now, that's their intention. That's where, That's how they're structured right now in the AV work, okay, AV effort, okay. This is both very good and important information for all UAW membership at General Motors because in the future General Motors wants to get more and more market share and they're going to do it on their own that means the jobs will be announced and the well-paid jobs will be there so that's important for us they're also reported that the GM cruise current value is $19 billion. this is the autonomous vehicle type cruise not the one that was built in Lordstown Okay. And that the Super Cruise and the Ultra Cruise, cruise uh, partial AV options, autonomous vehicle options, are already available on some models. Folks, this is coming and it's here now. Uh, that pretty much, I mean, they, they talked about how much money they made and they got a lot of congratulations on the second quarter. Uh, they were the only uh, auto company. Uh, major auto company that really made any money. Uh, everybody else was down substantially. Nissan was down like 95%. Uh, so uh, General Motors is making money, but it's on our back because we're down 15,000 members at General Motors in the last four years. About 30%. Okay. Any comments, Jeff? No.
0: It's
1: a terrible thing to see happening. No. Okay. I, I see you... uh I don't see a hand here. Do I, somebody wanna punch one? You up to answering? Yeah. No 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 punching one, so we'll we'll wait a minute. We have another uh per, person that might want to have a comment about Mary Mary Barra, but not at the moment yet, so we'll, we'll wait. I know, so that everybody knows, uh, uh, Tom, who's on the show from time to time, had some family commitments, uh, and, uh, you know, it's summertime, and the kids are out, and you can't take that away from somebody when they have their grandkids and kids needing, needing a little assistance. Uh, I know... Uh, uh, you know that that's enough said about that. I know he's very engaged in that as he should be. So, um, uh, so the other question that came up through the last couple of weeks, and by the way, thank you for indulging us these last couple of weeks. Uh, there's just a lot going on uh, when you consider work-life balance as well. In that uh, we uh, we uh, just decided with all of what was going on, the shootings and some things, that we didn't want to in any way exacerbate any of that. There was already a lot of real, real rough rhetoric out there. And um, we're we're also human here. And it bothered us, too, uh, all this stuff going on. When you see one on Saturday and another Sunday morning, that's a lot. I mean, it's just a, so. I mean, we'll stand up to anything, but it's just sometimes it's
2: you know the
1: dog days of summer. You just take a little step back and thank you for indulging us. We really appreciate it. Uh, by the way, we did post that document out, and the numbers just were amazing for the downloads on that that uh, court document. So thank you for that as well. And that's on our dot com. Uh, regarding how long. How a, I'm sorry, regarding how a local union Can no longer exist This is kind of a complicated answer So We're going to take our time And go through several of these Opportunities for this to To happen And You know, obviously none of us ever want to see A local union go away I mean, my own My home unit is gone Forever Janesville has gone forever You know, I, I You know when they restructured in the early 2000s, like 65 communities lost General Motors work, 63, I guess, something like that. In addition to the major assembly plants have been closed. You know, what was it? They were building Blazers there in Moraine, Ohio. That closed. You know, they're they're not too friendly to us. But. Um, there's a lot of people concerned about how a local can go out of existence. First of all, you have to consider, is the local a single unit local, or does it have several amalgamated units with their own certification under the local union charter? Um, one of the first reasons that it... Could be lose its certification as there's been a prolonged and unsu- unsuccessful strike, usually a couple of years, and the union pulls certification. For example, here in Lansing, Melling Forge was an amalgamated unit of local Union 724, Lansing, Michigan. Melling Forge unit lost its certification after a long strike, and yet, yeah, local Union 724, continues to exist with several other amalgamated units that that it serves. They all have their unit meetings, and then they have a general membership meeting for the whole local. And, you know, that's kind of sad that milling up. I was part of being gassed down there. They gassed us with tear gas in the end, and uh, then I represented us at the police commission. And in the end, the chief of police was someone that lost his position. A lot of people didn't like that, but we labor people that got gas were just living just, just live large when that occurred, okay? I mean, we were just beside ourselves happy. Yeah, he went on to another place and got a nice career, but... You, didn't. you do that to us and you've got to pay for it. That's how that works. And we had the stroke at the time to make that happen. Okay, the second reason that a local sort of goes away, it ceases to exist, management or the union call for a certification vote or recertification, if you will, and the vote does not affirm the local union certification by the NLRB. And the certification goes away immediately. You no longer have protection of your union. And that's not good. So be careful. Be careful. Very, very careful about spewing bad things about your union. Because if it's not there, it's like I told the one guy, said, I want to work for GM without a union and without missing a beat i told mom be happy to help you we'll send you right down there to the maquillador's area of mexico and you can work for general motors for 35 cents an hour i never heard another word about how bad our union was out of that man ever so be careful when you start spewing that, because management now has the ability, if they think that the union no longer has the majority, they can go to the NLRB without a vote. So be very careful in these day and age, in this day and age of doing that. Third reason: uh, While Article 36, the article containing the charter itself for all local unions, uh, exists, uh, there are several sections affecting local union, union or unit going or a unit going out of exis, existence. Section nine appears to be the most relevant one regarding the questions we have received. And it says, in part, if a local union disbands or if a local union goes out of existence, pay attention, if a local union goes out of existence by reason of cessation of production at the workplace over which it has jurisdiction, it can go out of existence because of that. That's one of several, to be sure. But it seems to be one of the most relevant ones here. Okay, and for now, we're going to try and stay relevant to what the uh, topic is here. We're not even going to say a particular local union. I think everybody knows the one that's distressed at the moment, though. Okay, the fourth reason, or a fourth reason, there's no absolute to this, but this is just another reason. Uh, there is a mandatory contractual obligation in the national agreements that local agreements—that's the Detroit Three. Okay, that local unions must give no less than sixty days' notice to the corporation that it intends to continue as a local union beyond the expiration of the agreement. They have, in other words, they have to notify in writing management that they intend to exist, exist beyond the expiration of the current collective bargaining agreement. In this case, I believe it's the 14th of September, so 60 days prior to that, okay, and you got August and and. Uh, July, both 31-day 31, months, 31 day months, so that would be the 16th of July, a letter needed to go in to management, and this is by national agreement. Now, I happen to know that the GM department, Vice President of the UAW, Terry Didis, did in fact send out a reminder to all GM local unions regarding this matter. I will say that it is an internal letter and not for public distribution. But I swear to you that he wrote it and sent out such a letter because I saw it. Okay, more than saw it. Actually, I didn't write it, but I more than saw it. So uh, uh, enough said about that. We're not going to get into you know putting out internal information other than reporting about it in general, okay? But the specifics are there. Also, management must, in a timely way, be presented with a full list of demands or to simply demand that the previous agreement be continued, okay? In other words, they have to receive, in a timely way, demands because they need to be, you know, I mean, the expiration of the agreement they have to be talking about it before then right i mean we're right what's this today's the 18th so we get to, what 28 days till expiration right it's important it's important that everybody understand they need to have demands in their possession in a timely manner okay Additionally, on that note, the National Labor Relations Act, Title 29, USC 157, states in part, membership, speaking about the membership, to collectively bargain through their representatives of their own choosing. That's not even a whole sentence. It's part of a sentence. Essentially meaning, and that was taken Uh, you know verbatim but it was part of a sentence but this essentially means that the bargaining committee that you elect is responsible for bargaining with the local union and the bargaining chair the chairperson is the only one who speaks to management on behalf of the membership on bargaining matters thus a failure to do any of the above in this item d That is, send a letter in 60 days in advance. In a timely manner, have uh, your demands, which you formulate from the membership, hopefully, by resolution, at a meeting, and have those approved. If you fail to do that in a timely manner, that could cause the local union or amalgamated unit to cease to exist at the expiration of the local union agreement. And such failure would fall squarely on the shoulders of the local union bargaining chairperson and not any other elected bargaining committee person. The chair's the only one that can sign that letter or present resolutions on behalf of the membership. I hope everybody understands that I know that letter by Terry Detus was sent in a timely fashion as a reminder to GM local unions brother kudos to you for that you did a nice job so far you're doing a nice job with these negotiations I see the call letters Thank you for what you're doing. Be sure, be assured that we're watching everything, though. So we're not going to talk about, we've all plowed ground on this show already, So, but just know that we're going to hold you to account if you don't. However, in this instance, you've done a nice job. So I would say at this point, if there are any questions regarding this last item about if a union uh, ceases to exist because failures were made in, to go to, in notifying management that the local union decide, or de- desires to exist beyond the expiration of the current bargaining agreement, You need to ask those questions. You need to ask, have there been any resolutions or any demands presented to management in a timely way? With 28 days left to go, you'd think they'd already be there, if they'd even accept them, due to the fact that the letter wasn't sent in by July 16th, 60 days in advance. And 16th is arguably, you know, drop-dead time on getting anything in. They're supposed to receive it, I believe, by the 16th. So uh, they might give some a day grace, but they're definitely not going to give several weeks grace. Corporations hate us. okay? If you think they're your friend, just take a look around. What kind of work you're being forced to do. People moving halfway across the damn country. Wages suppress. Take your pick. Okay, so I'm going to ask Jeff. Do you have any comments on that? No. Nope. While you do, I'm going to screen off. off. Go ahead, Jeff.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. I was correct. Tom. You're right,
1: hi Jeff, yeah. Yeah, sorry about that folks. Uh, we were playing uh there's so many people in the switchboard here that I was going over to uh screen uh we can put somebody in screen mode and uh that person was uh uh bouncing around in the switchboard here. The all the numbers were. So I apologize for that cuz I know Jeff was in and out and then it, you know I punch his number, and then punch the other And they were just rotating inside of the switchboard uh, function of our, 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 our uh, studio here. Uh, and we apologize for that. So, but people are uh, out there in listen mode, and uh, they don't want to uh, come on. But, they, you know, they said they'd raise their hand if they want to. So anyhow, uh, having said all of that, I missed what you had to say about that and probably some of the listeners did too, Jeff, but uh for now. Uh uh I think you pretty much got your comments in. Uh did it pretty much concur with uh what we talked what I talked about there in this? Yes, sir, it did. Okay. All right. Well thank you. And I apologize to the listeners that had to miss the first maybe 10, to 10, fifteen seconds of that until I your answer there until I uh uh, we'll be able to like, properly get everybody here into screening mode and then listen and chat with them for a second. So, uh, uh, so that's the report. I think it covers the things that we wanted to uh, discuss. I don't think we have anything else out there that we we said we'd come come to in any of the uh, e- emails that we got. Did we close cover that straight target? um yep. we talked about uh the uh local union ceased to exist we had a lot of a lot of uh, uh interest in that everybody's worried about it you know so oh the one thing that uh is out there if you're on layoff or if you're on sick leave um you're not in the bargain active bargaining unit okay and While retirees can run for office because they're a retiree with the exception. Remember now, there's only uh, like four things a retiree cannot do, okay? They may not vote to authorize or stop a strike. Those are two, right? They may not run for any office that handles local union grievances at the local level. They may not vote to ratify an agreement, and they may not vote for any office in the bargaining unit. So those are five things, right? Start or stop a strike. They may not uh, uh, ratify an agreement. They may not hold or vote for any office that handles local union grievances at the local level that's it, everything else they're able to to run for including the international positions by constitution and the constitution uh, itself says that there be no discrimination on any of the protected classes including age the age limit of 65 is a caucus rule by the administrative caucus, also known as the Ruther caucus, also known as Team Jones. That's their administrative rule. It is not in the Constitution. So retirees can run for any other position in the local union. If you're on layoff or on sick leave, I mean, if you're on sick leave, you know, you better really think about what you're doing. You signed a document that said you are totally disabled to work. Totally disabled to work. That means that you can't be doing anything out there. I mean, yeah, you know, you you're going to sit in the chair. You're probably going to go get something to eat. But you better not be doing any kind of work, real work, working in a plant, working at the local union. You need to be very careful. It's called insurance fraud. Right? So be careful with it. Anybody doing that, layoff status, you're, you know, you're subject to recall, okay? And it's our opinion. I know I have been refused while I was on layoff to run for office. I was refused. That's been a while ago, and it may have changed, okay? If you're on sick leave, how can you possibly run for office if you're totally disabled, so we're gonna go with retirees can run, in our opinion, and the constitution opinion, and laid off people, no longer active workers, those on sick leave, sworn and signed statement stating that they are totally disabled, otherwise they'd be in the plan on a make you know, make work job, right? cannot run for office either those are our opinions again we in you know we invite you to contact the international union for more clarification on that matter but that's our opinion and we've been you know we're pretty experienced in all this around here like you know having lived through it and done it already like i said i was refused a vote to ratify the agreement while I was on layoff, and to run for office. Okay, And that was in 1982 for the concessionary agreement. I was refused to vote on it and run for office, and or, or or at the same time run for office when I when I in that same conversation by a union leader at Local 659, Chevy in the hole. So uh, that's that's kind of where that's at. So we got about 30 minutes. Jeff, do you want to wrap it up or you want me to tell my story?
0: That's up to you. Well,
1: why not? Okay. Uh, (laughs) No, there's other things pending, but we'll 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 take the time and we'll we'll tell us. I think I can get probably get it done about ten minutes. So we'll. um, uh, As some of you know, the United Auto Workers has uh, a uh, as a standing committee, the uh, CAP Department Community Action Program. Okay, citizens and legislation. Some of them call it some locals. And uh, that actually gets allocated money, that uh, uh, committee. And there are uh, area CAP councils. And I served as regional CAP coordinator for Region 1C for a while. And temporary international staff, I wasn't permanent. I'll be clear. Uh, So, uh, before I was uh, elevated to that level, I just have sort of background on CAP. We have, you know, the Tri-County CAP Council, which is Ingham, Eaton, and Clinton County here in in mid-Michigan. And we meet, they meet now, and we met once a month, with the possible exception of some abated meetings through the holidays. Usually we met in the summer, too because elections are, you know, ever-present. So uh, this was in the spring of 94. And a fellow that was the state president of the OPEIU, Office of Professional Employees International Union, okay, OPEIU, Named, a man by the name of Joe Marudiak. He came probably, I guess, in January, and he said he gave a little presentation to our CAP council. All and essentially, your, all of your uh, uh, CAP committees for each local are invited, and all of the local union leadership on the executive boards are all welcome to attend to this, attend these meetings. And it's essentially a membership meeting for the leadership. And it's described that way by a lot of people uh, at the local level. So uh, Joe came and he uh, very nicely presented that uh, Lansing General Hospital had been purchased by a hospital by the name of MC Squared, uh, MCMC. Uh, So they called it MC Squared. And that MC Squared was given a lot of grief to him and his people about organizing the new unit because Lansing General was organized. The nurses were organized at Lansing General Hospital. The county owned that. That's why they had that name. And then they sold it to this uh, other hospital entity, MC Squared. So Joe comes and he's asking for us to help him. And it you know, everybody, you know, said, okay, well, we're there with you. We support you. We passed a motion, kind of. We're going to support you. And, and nothing happened, kind of like with the AR-15s, right? Remember that? Nothing happened. And here, yeah, here, here, I can't help it, Jeff. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, I, I know there's people out there that enjoy that humor because you tell me about it. Uh, you know, it might not be all humorous because people are dying because they're not doing it right. Uh, so, but uh, nothing happened. And a couple months later, I guess probably March, he comes and says, uh, "I need your your help, UAW. I'm I'm kind of on my knees. I mean, he's really passionate this time." And the leaders, you know, they finish the meeting and they all run for the the kitchen where they stored the beer right and I'm looking around and I'm sitting in my chair and I see this guy and he's about ready to cry and he did, he wasn't because he's a really strong man but he was really disappointed because he'd been there a second time so I got up out of my chair and I walked over to him I introduced myself I'm Leroy and uh, I'd like to help you Our organization has made a motion to support you, but there's not been a lot of follow-through, and I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you some help. And he says, okay, what do you want to do? I said, well, first of all, let's go to the front table, and we'll get the blessing of our leader. Uh, And I walked up, and the gentleman's name was Brother Gary Watson. And Gary was a strong leader. And I said I'd like to help uh, Joe here with his effort on getting these nurses organized. And Watson knew me pretty well because I'd already run a, a campaign for a clerk that we supported. Actually, one of ours who ran for clerk of city city Lansing, and I became renowned for that because we were victorious. Uh, and that's another story in and of itself, but I became one of six persons who chair, who was a campaign chair for a, a successful that successfully beat a incumbent uh, clerk of a large uh, municipality. and I had attorneys call me from all over the country and, and telling me all that and, but that doesn't mean hell of beans, but Watson knew that I was effective. So he looks at me. He says, You want to help him? I says, Yep. He says, I'll you go do your thing. I know you know how to do it. But I'm gonna tell you this, Leroy. We're not getting into this to lose, so you go you go win this one. I looked at him, I said, We'll do. So Joe and I set a time to meet between two of us, and there were like twenty two persons on the the board, I think there were like eight, I said eight executive board members, six executive, eight executive board members, it must have been 24. 24, and there were eight executive board members. And uh, he said, Let's send invitations out to meet with all of them. I said, You're going to handle the invitations? Yes. Okay. And it came back, and we reviewed their answers. And 16 of them, or 15, agreed to meet with us. None of, uh, I think it was none of the executive board, save one. One of them uh, was on the executive board, and he was the, the um, community college president. He, he met with us by phone. But we met with, in the end, we met with 16 of these people. And these are administrative assistants for Michigan senators and at Michigan State University Trustees, Finance Director Doug Rubley of the City of Lansing. These are all the movers and shakers in the whole community, many of whom had said over time, we support labor. Okay, we support labor. I said, okay, they all support labor, most all of them, with some exceptions. The chair of the uh, executive board that pretty much ran everything and then the rest of them rubber-stamped it. He was the, the uh, director of a local funeral home. It's important you'll know a little bit later why. Now, I should tell you this. I, I did want to preface all of this by something I did to, uh, over the weekend here. Uh, on Friday, uh, this is an aside, but it's very important that you understand this as to why we were successful in this. Okay, on Friday, I went out, and there's a new picnic table in the backyard, right? So uh, God knows how it got there, but it's there, right? <laughs> so I went out, and I took some pH neutral soap and water and scrubbed it real good. It's fairly new. And then I hosed it down with a essentially a power nozzle. On a regular hose, and I let it dry and then the next morning, Saturday morning, I hosed it down to get all the night stuff off of it, let it dry and then, on Saturday, after I got it all prepped up real good, I came and stained it with spray stain. Now I used to be a painter, so I'm really pretty good at that too. i would be aside being a welder so uh I painted in in the in the plant by the way uh so uh Uh, actually did work unlike some of the folks out there would just you know elevated without getting their grunt time in so to speak but uh so i did that and it turned out great not one run i mean it's a nice looking thing maybe put another coat on it and a few days after it really cures well put a second coat on it just for the a surfaces those of you in in uh and in assembly know what an A surface is top where you can see it real well subject to that so think about that preparation and ultimate successful effort of getting this little picnic table stained okay so somebody's pinging saying something What? real quickly uh I got to answer you a little later, brother. Um, so get back here. Uh so we uh uh we we met and we we got 16 uh yeses and we met with every one of those people. And the same presentation was made each time. Joe would go in, we'd meet, shake hands, introduce ourselves, but everybody knew us anyhow, so we uh, we went in there The senator uh, Well we had a little problem With the senator's AA Michigan senator At the time AA a, a was on the board I'll get into that one in a second But our presentation was the same Joe Would make his presentation About the Lansing general already Unionized and MC squared Really should be Unionized as well to keep continuity under the leadership of the hospital, the new, new larger hospital, newly formed, uh, uh, ex- expanded hospital, and he wanted, uh, you know, a certain thing. They'd ask him, without questioning it, what do you want? And he gave him his list. He had a laundry list. He, he knew exactly what he wanted. Right. So that's one of the keys. You know what you want, right? And you did, and you articulate that clearly, right? Okay. And then in each instance after he finished, they said, anything else you want, Joe? And Joe said, that's, that's what I'm after. That's what our union's after, our executive committee and our union. That's, uh, that's what I'm here to express to you. That's what I'm empowered by the membership here to, to tell you. Because none of us, none of us do this on our own. And then they turned to me, and without fail, Each and every one said, why are you here, Leroy? And I would explain to them just how special OPEIU is in Lansing, Michigan, a union community, and how dedicated we are as the UAW in supporting them in their efforts, to which I expanded on in a way that I'm not free to say to you here because it's illegal to have a secondary boycott or secondary strike under Taft-Hartley. And that's all I can say about what I had to say. Then they'd turn to me and they'd say, those are pretty strong words. And without fail, I would simply say to them, It's not my actions that brought me to this table. I'd look at Joe without even saying goodbye. We'd stand and leave. The finance director of the city of Lansing, a man by the name of Doug Rubley at the time, we met with him. He's on the ninth floor the first office, just before, on the right, just before the mayor's office, it's been held by a number of people over the years. Very powerful person. Controls the finances of the city. Essentially the controller. Doug had been around a long time. When we left, we walked out went to the elevator, Joe and I. We're standing waiting at the elevator down the hall. 100 feet. Here comes Doug,
2: Mr. McKnight,
1: Mr. McKnight. I look at Joe and I go, what in the world have I done? He listens to me. He says, I don't know. He says, well, I guess we're about to find out, Joe. <laughs> and Doug Rubley, Mr. Doug Rubley, finance director of city of Lansing, come up to me and he said, I want you to know that I've been doing this for 24 years. I service 14 local unions, different unions. I've seen them all come and go. You, Mr. McKnight, are by far the best negotiator that's ever graced my th- threshold of my office. I said, well, thank you. He turned and went back to his office. The elevator came. We went down. I looked at Joe in the elevator and says, pretty amazing, I suppose. He said, yeah, we're doing pretty good work, Leroy. Everybody's impressed with your little closing. I said, well, whatever. It's just the way it is. I want to talk about the AA. She wouldn't meet with us. This is a Michigan Senator AA she wouldn't meet with us, so I made an appointment she, with, uh, upon Joe's request. So I made an appointment with her, and I go in. They all know me, and they all know Joe. And I'm sitting there, and here she comes out of her office into the meeting room, conference room where we're sitting, and she got all indignant with me. How dare you take advantage of our relationship by bringing this man here on that issue? And I looked at her and I said, you and everybody in this office has said you support labor. You've said it over and over and over in many campaigns to be elected. Do not get indignant with me when I call you to account on being a friend of labor. You're going to listen to what he has to say whether you like it or not. And if you don't, I'm going back and report to every last person that's ever gotten you in here. And we'll see how long you last. And your boss. She sat and listened. Just as pissed as piss could be. MSU trustee, Came kicking and screaming, but met with us. Also on the board of MC Squared. Finance Director, Abel Sykes, the the Lansing Community College president. Myriad of people in all all leaders of the community. At Sixteen met with us and eight wouldn't. And we finished. And I said to Joe, I said, we're done with everybody who's said that they would meet with us. I'd ask you to give invitations to everybody who hasn't met with us and and give them date certain three days to set up a meeting with us. This was a lot of work, folks. This was a lot of work. You start meeting with these high-level people. You everybody's schedule has to marry up. Then you have to, you know, uh make your mark. In other words, you know, you better make the meeting on time and 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 be sharp as a tack. And then discuss it afterwards with your counterpart that, you know, in other words, Joe and I would go and see how that we thought that went and the nuances of it. Okay. So none of the second invitations came back in the affirmative. Some no's, some nothing. And I said, we gave them every opportunity, didn't we? He says, yep. He says, what are we going to do? I says, well, we're going to win. He says, how do you want to do that? He says, well, you draft a letter for the Lansing Labor News. It goes out to thirty-eight. I'm sorry, thirty-four thousand people. And I'll see to it that gets on front page. You say whatever you want to say. I had no, no effort in making up. And he wrote a nice article. The headlines were, if you live the union life, don't be buried by a union buster. And he named this funeral director the head of this whole debacle. The paper went public at 10 a.m. And at noon, at noon, the funeral director, resigned from the board of MC Squared Hospital. And that started the dominoes all the way down, and we were successful. They they met with Joe, and they said, he's gone. The rest have capitulated based on your your effort. The attorney for their side later said to me, That was masterful what you two pulled off there. You handed us our head in every way. And the nurses at MC Squared were not harassed ever again. They were unionized. And today, as they work at the new hospital that purchased, it's called McLaren at Lansing, and they're building a new facility and they'll move there too. The nurses who work there, are unionized and enjoy the benefits of higher wages and benefits because of the efforts of our CAP Council by and through Joe Marudiak and Leroy McKnight. Follow-up, we had a number of apology letters to go to Joe saying that they do support labor and they felt threatened and pressured in their position. The MSU trustee was not re-elected. And the senator and her AA were pulled in and told in no uncertain terms, don't ever go against labor ever again. Everybody knew that unions in Lansing were important. We went on in large part because of that to elect almost 100% labor-friendly, some Republican, labor-friendly people in office. The Republicans that remained were labor-friendly. And all we had to do was ask them, and they would be there. We were successful in this effort. And heads rolled for anybody that opposed us. I want to thank Brother Murdiak for giving me the opportunity to help him. I talk to him, and I see him every now and then, and he, at every every meeting, says, those nurses enjoy being unions because of you, Brother McKnight. And I take great pride in that. So that's one of those successful things. Uh, Jeff... Uh, anybody in the switchboard got any comments?
0: No, I don't have any comments. That was a good story. Um, Thank you. We need all yeah. these politicians honorable who yeah. these support unions.
1: We know how to get it done, Jeff. There's a lot of people out there bluster. Not only know how, but we've done it. Put it in practice. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And we're putting it in practice right now with our position about the temporaries in Appendix K. We're going to be successful. Yes, we are. Brothers and sisters, that language is going to be removed. Our heads are going to roll. And quite frankly, the people that are feeling pressured ought to feel empowered because of it, because they can go to management and say, I'm going to lose my job as a union official because you're not abiding by our agreement. And, oh, by the way, management, you have an obligation to do so under... National Labor Relations Act because you recognize us as a union, and then you have to do that in all ways, including our Constitution, when we negotiate. So, there's some more power with you know, power for you. Little tips. Okay, we're right at an hour or two hours now. Gosh, Um, so has anybody got anything to say in the switchboard? Sorry about the rotation that happened in the switchboard. I was pushing. (laughs) <laughs> and you know, buttons here, and uh, the, the the numbers were rotating, literally rotating. So I'd push a button on the, the switchboard here, and it it would be another somebody. I'm glad I didn't bring anybody on I didn't want to be on, or they just stayed mute when I when I did for a second. So I'd see it. So, but they were literally rotating through here. So sorry about that, Jeff and listeners. Um, if Jeff, you have anything to say at all, closing remarks. Wrap this up no. in five minutes. Okay. All right, brother. Uh, so, um, you know, thanks to all the listeners. Okay. Uh, we really appreciate you listening. Tell one friend, uh, and the, the show is growing every every show. Thanks for indulging us for a little summer break here. Uh, a lot of stuff going on that we didn't want to exacerbate here. And we have our own mourning processes, too, because... You know, this is really bad for our country, what's going on. Uh, Thanks to our listeners globally. I hope you find value in the show. We do. Uh, Hope you find value. Our listeners in Canada and Mexico, thank you. Uh, All of our U.S. union and non-union listeners, especially all of our UAW listeners, thank you very much. For the next week, have fun and stay safe. Uh, We'll see you next week. God bless each and every one of you listening. Please tell one person about this. Uh, Good night, listeners, and good night, Jeff. Good night, everyone. Good night, Leroy.
2: Good night, Jeff. Thanks for listening.